You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome to Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Thank you, Esther Lynn, and welcome to a brand new edition of Between the Links on MMAfighting.com. Hope you're having a great start to your week. UFC 253 finally going down this Saturday in Abu Dhabi. It's Fight Island time once again. Five weeks worth of events, and it kicks off with two big title fights on Saturday night for the middleweight and light heavyweight titles. And don't forget, everybody, I actually forgot about this until like six seconds ago. Bellator is back this Saturday as well in Milan, Italy. That one is headlined by Fabian Edwards and Costello Von Stinas. That's going to be a hell of a fight, but we're also coming off a crazy UFC Vegas 11 event this past Saturday, so there's just... No shortage of news as always. So let's get into this week's matchup on BTL. Introducing first the challenger, a man who admits that he loves listening and watching the show, but not necessarily the biggest fan of being on the panel itself. But this week, his arch nemeses will not be on the other end of the screen. So maybe that will change his feelings a little bit. From MMAfighting.com, the Prince of Positivity himself, the co-host of the fastest rising MMA podcast on earth. On to the next one. Mr. Alex K. Lee, AK, welcome back, sir. Mike, thank you for welcoming me back. Uh, yes, I'm glad that the reign of Jed Mishu is over. However, I'm as equally terrified of the reign of uh, my opponent today. Uh, I will say I did, I watched carefully last week's episode. I have studied, I have studied her moves, studied her tricks. I'm gonna try not to bite on some of these feints and some of these, you know, some of these things that she was throwing out there. Uh, there's a lot more subtle work needs to do. It's not like the sledgehammer that is like Jed Mishu or uh, the wild man that is, you know, uh, Jose Young. So I really had to study. I had, I had to go to the tape this time. Normally I like to, you know, figure it out in the cage, but this time uh, I, I did my work. So uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for our for the champion. We got a little more than five minutes notice this time around. We couldn't say the same the last time you were on, but. Uh... <laughs> Let us introduce the reigning undisputed between the links champion. She stopped the reign of Jed Mishu last week, but she's here for her first title defense. She's been everywhere these days. She's also been a multiple time panelist on the old MMA beat here on MMA fighting, did backstage reporting for Access TV, actress, fitness. She's everywhere. The champ, Phoenix Carnavale. How are you? Good. I'm so happy to be here because it was a fun night of fights and I'm just excited to talk about it. And we have a great week coming ahead. So let's go. You know, I like to defend. Don't expect anything from me because expect the unexpected. That's all I have to say. I love it. I love (laughs) it. So let's get right into this thing. Let's talk about the main event from this past Saturday night. Let's start with Tyron Woodley. All right. This we've been talking about Tyron since Saturday night. Gets dominated by Colby Covington from start to finish. Injures his rib in the fight. Colby went to the body a lot with kicks and punches, but the pain just became too much for Tyron in the fifth round. After a guillotine attempt fell short, Colby escapes. Ref heard Tyron scream, as as did we all, and stopped the fight. It's just been a crazy thing to watch, Phoenix. I want to start with you here. To, to start, this is a guy who won a world championship. He was defending, had four title defenses, the three wins. He had the draw with Wonderboy. And whether people like the guy or not, the guy was winning fights. He kept Mm -hmm. winning fights. And since March of last year, Woodley's fought three times. He's lost the title to Kamara Usman, then the loss to Gilbert Burns, and now to Colby Covington. He has lost his last 15 rounds. And not only that, none of these rounds have even been close, like not competitive at all. And, And listen, we're not trying to kick a man while he's down, but this has been tough to watch. How do you explain this, Phoenix? How do you explain this downfall of Tyron Woodley you've seen over this last year and a half or so? I think there's many things to unpack here. I think the first thing we can say is that he's top, he's fighting the top, top, top guys. 
The second thing we can say is that all fighters become predictable at some point, especially when they've been a champion for a while, because you can figure out what they do. He's always been the explosive guy. He's never been the, you know, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting, huge gas tank guy. He's always exploded with big combinations, big shots, and he does have a very good fight IQ. I think that he's become somewhat predictable. I think the issue that we have with him is that adjustments were not made. I think the other issue that everyone is having with him is wondering if his desire and grit are still there. So it could be psychological and it could also be physiological. You could talk about his age. You could also talk about, you know, as a, as a sports science is what I did prior to this is his testosterone low. And I'm not saying steroids. I'm talking about actual hormone deficiencies that affects your drive, your performance. It also causes you to get injured. He also has always, always, always had a hard time cutting weight. And as you get older, it is much harder to do. But I think what's in question, why, when I put a poll up, does he retire? Does he go up in weight? It was 90% retire. And some people came at me and said, hey, Phoenix, why retire? What about take less competition? I think the reason why people are talking about him retiring is because they're concerned that the passion and the grit aren't there, that adjustments aren't being made in the cage. Does he truly want it? Because when we were going into that fifth and Dean was pleading with him, you got to fight this round. You got to fight this round. Yes, he got hurt. I've had an, a rib injury. It's the freaking worst pain ever. But it was the lack of desire, I think, which has everybody questioning it. It's up to him. He's got to heal. He's got to say, do I want to fight guys that are not in the top five and stay around? Do I want to do Tyron versus Lawler too? Or am I really out of this? And if he is, he's still going to have a career in the sport because he's an excellent analyst. So it really is what the hell is going on in Tyron's head? And is he physically capable of staying in the game? AK, what do you think? What what have you seen out of Tyron Woodley in these last three fights? Because it's clearly not the same guy, or maybe it is. And like Phoenix said, the game's just kind of catching up to him at this point. Well, you know, uh, I wrote about it a little bit for our site, and I, I think I discussed this also during our preview for the fight. And again, Phoenix would know better than I. I know she's, she's, she's actually done training. She's competed. Uh, I, I've never competed anything more you know competitive than rec school. I don't know, basketball or something. But you know, as writers, we kind of try to put ourselves in these fighters' shoes and have some perspective on it. So my thinking is like, you've reached that pinnacle, you've reached such a high level, uh, and then you know you have to be able to switch. To, you you have the ability to switch it on and off. You know, both from being a normal person, a normal human being, to being a high level elite athlete, not just an athlete, a fighter. You know, very different from any other athlete. And then someday that switch just goes off, uh, and you can't turn it back on again. And uh, you, maybe your coaches can't figure it out. Maybe you can't figure it out. There's just is no answer for it. And right now it looks like that switch is just permanently down. So if we're talking about what I've seen, I mean, I see a guy who, and I hate to tell fighters uh, that they should do this because I think it's, you know, it's obviously their decision, but retirement has to be an option at this point. It, it just has to be an option. Not, I'm not saying that's the number one option, but it's something that it has to be entertained. And again, I'm sure it's a discussion he would have internally with his family. I mean, does the UFC want to give him another top 10 fight given how lopsided his loss have been? And in that case, if they, if they don't go in that direction, is he going to be happy being a gatekeeper or God forbid, worse, viewed as a stepping stone by the matchmakers. It's that's I think for a fighter with his his pride that that would be a a fate worse than death, figuratively speaking. So, 
as Phoenix mentioned, you know, look, he has interests outside of MMA. He's worked with TMZ. He's done. He's an analyst for the UFC. Uh, he's a rapper. Mileage may vary there. I don't know if you guys heard that uh, Edward Scissorhands rap. I mean, it was almost too good if we're if we're being honest. So uh, people can look that one up. But I I, you know, I just don't know. Uh, he's also vocal about social issues. Of course, he used a lot of his time uh, with the media last week to uh, talk about Black Lives Matter. So and he has a lot to offer there. I think as a public figure. So. Um, it's it's really hard to say what we saw and what is the reality that is going on in in uh, Tyron Woodley's life. But from the outside looking in, again, it's for for me, retirement has to be an option. And also, uh, I, I one comment I saw, which I kind of laughed at: uh, Professional Fighters League, <laughs> do a season of Professional Fighters League and uh, win a million dollars, something like that. But even they, at this point, we don't even know if that's something that would motivate him and if he'd be capable of doing that. So. Uh, it, it, there was a lot to take from his last three fights. Yes. AK, you said some interesting things there because, you know, like you said, and, and like I prefaced earlier on, we don't want to, we're not trying to kick a man while he's down, but you know, and we also don't want to tell a fighter when to walk away from the sport. Cause ultimately that is their decision, but it is our job to give our opinions on such things and possibly predict what he or she's next move should be. If they're in this situation. Now, Dana White, feels retirement is the way to go. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But one thing we can safely say as of right now, AK, is that these huge fights in huge spots with anything close to resembling a title shot at the other side of them, it's just gone. Like it's not here from him, at least right now. Maybe in two years that changes, maybe that flip switches back on. But so let me ask you this. Tyron did an IG live earlier on Monday and said, I'm not retiring. I'm not done. I'm not leaving the country. I'm not leaving my team. Like we're just going to figure out what, what what was wrong and fix it. So what do you think realistically is next for Tyron Woodley after Saturday night? Uh, gosh, uh, like I said, I, I just don't know if, if he should uh, be booked against a top 10 opponent again. Is it realistic? Sure. He still has the name. He entered as a top five guy. He's only losing to the best of the best. So in his mind, it's probably not that much of a leap for him to say, OK, well, I, I just need to take a slight step back in competition, still fight someone in the top 15, get myself another a fight I made event, get back on track. Uh, but again, personally, I just don't know if that is realistic. If we're talking about realistic options, I do feel like the UFC will want to you will this is that sounds terrible. We'll want to use him uh, now as the B side for something else. Um, you could argue he was the B side in this fight, but I would say it was more two A sides given the the, the heat of the feud. Uh, but now I do feel like the next time they're gonna say, "Look, Tyron, you know you're matched up with like a let's say a Shemayev." Okay, to get to our, our obligatory Shemayev reference uh, out of the way on the show. Uh, <laughs> it, would he want to do that? You know, would he say would he say yes to that fight? Like I don't think he should, but. At this point, I don't know where his head is at. But that, those are the kind of things I think the UFC is going to use him for. Now he's a name uh, for someone else to make their name off of. So that, to me, is the, the with the next realist direction that they're going to go in, unfortunately. What do you think, Phoenix? Do you agree with AK? He's kind of in that stepping stone gatekeeper spot that he needs to crawl his way out of? Or you know, do you see something else, realistically, that could be next retiring after Saturday night? I think the question for everybody is it's not that he's losing. It's how he's losing what he looks like physically and mentally. Otherwise that we would just be like, wow, he's fighting the toughest guys and he'll still be around. Instead, everybody's talking about retirement because of the performances rather than its performances against really great guys. So it really has to do with what his heart is into. Look, if Nick Diaz comes back, that was in the talks a long time ago. That might be exciting. But what concerns me and actually feel bad saying is that if you're not motivated to fight Colby Covington, you might not be motivated to fight. 
You know what I'm saying? Like if it's my biggest rival, I'm going to fight. But I'm concerned as somebody who studies sports science is in his health. It Does he have such severe adrenal fatigue from all the fights that he's had that he's unable to explode the way he used to? Because when we saw a glimmer of that, he backs up against the cage, he backs up against the cage. When he pushed off the cage and threw his right hand, we were like, oh, Tyron, oh my God, there you are. And then, then it was gone after that. You know what I'm saying? So I can't make the decision for this athlete. I can't. I can say from what I'm seeing of you, yes, it might be time. Or it's time to take a very long break and refresh your body, your mind, whatever's going on physically. And then I'll talk to you about it. But I think he needs at least six to months to a year. And we'll see. And what is he, 39, 38, uh, around that time? You know yeah. what I mean? Not everybody can stay around like a Daniel Cormier. Remember, like that division is really always the best division in a lot of ways because you got the strength of the bigger guys and the speed and the dexterity of the smaller guys. Everybody loves that division because of that. It's up to him. It's wild because he took 14 months off before the yeah. Gilbert Burns fight. And he said he addressed all of those things. I'm the old tyrant. Like, I got that fire back. Like, I'm not here to, you know, it's not just about money anymore. I want to go and knock people out like it did on the come up. And we still right. haven't seen it yet. It's such a fascinating story. And when we go back and look at his career, I wonder if he would have done things differently. Like, when he won the belt, if he just said, hey, Wonder Boy, I'll fight you. Not calling out GSP and not calling out Nick Diaz and Nate Diaz and all these guys and wanted the super fights. And I get it. You're a prize fighter. That's what you want to do. But once he did that, people started to turn on Tyron and it hasn't really changed for him. Even in the Colby fight, Colby was still kind of the baby face, which is so bizarre. So weird. But listen, as both of you said, Tyron's got a lot of things going on. He is a super talented guy. He's got a great perspective on the sport. I'd love to see him get more involved in the broadcast. And if he continues to fight, hopefully he can find a way to, to turn that switch back on and work these problems out. But there's something definitely missing here. And until he figures that out, I just don't know, but the and, points. And by the, by the oh, way, my oh, sorry, okay, my, trying to get in there. This, I, this, I may, like this it. may cost me a point interrupting you, but I did, I did have to say because I saw at least some comments questioning this. Tyron Woodley is a UFC Hall of Famer. I, I know the UFC Hall oh, of Fame essentially, it essentially who is friends with Dana, but there's a, a level of meritocracy to it. And and uh, look, multiple title defenses. He he always he did always end up fighting either the number one or number two ranked contenders. There's not like if you look at his list of title defenses, there's not like a oh why did he fight defend against this guy. Yes, he was hunting for fights with guys like Nick Diaz and GSP, but when the when the contract came along, he did sign on to fight the Wonder Boys, the Damian Mayas. So, and again, entertainment wise, okay, the, no, I, I agree, those fights weren't great. You know, we won't look at those all timers, but if we're just basing it on title defenses, uh, quality wins, he's a Hall of Famer. So I hope no, I hope there's no one out there seriously questioning that, um, unless they're just like really, really, you know, really, really just like Tyron Woodley. But otherwise, objectively, you have to put him in there. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. This is be, so. without question. I gotta start reading the internet, Mike. I gotta start reading the internet. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's one of the things I've I've had to learn over the last you know several months is to stop stop reading that stuff. But <laughs> AK did his best to try to come in here and and take the point here. But as the old song says, I guess your best wasn't good enough because the point oh. goes to Phoenix Carnavale, our champion. Some excellent points, AK. You were on fire too but your, now we get a your soothing singing made that uh made that result easier for me to take Mike, thank you so much and <laughs> let me just say i'm just getting warmed up because i i admit i was a little intimidated when i first heard we were getting phoenix on the show you know she's she's a veteran she's been on the mma beat uh then i thought about it though and i said how hard is it really 
to to look smart when you're sitting next to dummies like Errol Helwani, Chuck Mindenhall, Luke Thomas, uh, Brian Campbell, Danny Segura. There's so many people I can name on that show who are who are of us. So I'm kidding. I am kidding. This is like second time in like two days, Mike, that I've slandered slandered the MMA beat. But I'm just I love wow. all those people I names. I miss them. I really do. I miss sure, them a lot. I'm sure they miss working with you as well. Ho- hopefully you got, again, you know, everyone's doing all kinds of different shows. Hopefully you guys will uh, find ways to, uh, to, to fit you in a, on a guest spot on those as well, because I'm just, I'm just talking trash about people I miss. Yes. Maybe we'll do a reunion show here, right here in between the links sometime. Maybe we'll see. We can only wonder, but listen, I, I think, I think we're talking about this, all this stuff because we want to avoid the elephant in the room because we have to talk about the flip side of this conversation. We have to talk about Colby Covington, like vintage performance from the former interim welterweight champion. This was pure domination. Gets back to his winning ways after the fight with Kamara Usman. He did what he needed to do in the octagon. Finishes Tyron Woodley. No one has finished Tyron Woodley since Nate Marquardt did it in Strike Force. So it had been a long time since that had happened. But there are some things posted, some things said before and after the fight that weren't so great. So we're not gonna get into quotes and specifics, at least not me, about what he said and how he said it. But in the end, Colby is on to a new chapter in his career. Phoenix, I want to start with you. In the grand scheme of things, when we all woke up on Sunday morning, were you seeing a Colby Covington whose stock had risen after this past week and at Saturday night, or a guy whose stock has fallen, even with a win? I think it depends on who you ask. If you're, if you forget all of the stuff that he says and does does that's controversial and you just look at him as an absolute as an athlete as an athlete then absolutely right because now people are talking about mm, I really hope that Masvidal and Diaz 2 doesn't happen because that would be fun or if Burns fa- falls out and he gets a rematch well that'll be fun so because the matchups in our minds are happening that yeah his stock has risen as a public figure, it depends on what side of the coin you're on here, but I can't really think of an experience where the president called an athlete during his UFC interview. Yeah, was it perfectly timed? Like, oh, you're on TV right now. Oh, hey, there's an election happening. What's up there, Kobe? Oh, it's great. Love you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was a little convenient, but I, I can't think of a president ever calling a UFC athlete before. So it, that's kind of big, whether you like either one of them or not, just the idea of it is a big deal. So yeah, his, his stock has risen as an athlete with a gas tank and the way he's mixed things up and, and has taken control over fights. You know, I have a lot of, of positive things to say in that direction. Politically, I, I really, up, it upsets me that we divide things, right? Like, why can't you be totally 100% for the police department and first responders and then totally against guys that are cops that suck at their job and kill people in unnecessary situations where you got four other cops with you. You don't need to lean on him for eight minutes. You can just put him in a car and take him off, whether he's a criminal or not, good guy or bad guy, do a better job, right? So why does it have to be you are either for them or against them? I hate this whole divide thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, you can re- pro-Black Lives Matter and anti, uh, you know, breaking into stores and doing all that stuff and looting. Like, why why is one thing the other thing? They're not the same things. So that upsets me about him. And and I wish that he would mature a little bit and, and, and have his valid points without knocking down others. And it makes it really hard for me to give him credit. But as somebody who loves martial arts, 
he's a talented athlete and he's going to fight for that championship at one time or another, whether, whether he takes the Leon Edwards fights, which he's probably not going to do because if he loses that, it takes him a step back. Right. So he's not going to take that risk, whether he sits out and waits and, and is an understudy, right. For, for Burns and Usman, or if he has a fun fight with Masvidal, one of those things is happening and they're all going to be big. AK, what do you think? I mean, we, you weren't on the post-fight show, so this is the first time we've really got to hear you talk about any of this stuff. But, you know, Colby goes in there and does his thing, but there were hiccups and, and speed bumps along the way to get there. And then some of the things that were said after the fact rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but it also rubbed a lot of people the right way. It's just yeah. the division in this country and around the world right now. This sport has tended to be an, an escape for a lot of these people. And now it's almost smack dab in the middle of the controversy at different points. What did you think of all this? Where does Colby's stock stand with you between walking out of the octagon Saturday night to where it is right now? Well, first, I can't help but echo a little bit of what Phoenix said there, because I think she made some very great points about, you know, the issues beyond this fight uh, that are certainly related to this fight, but beyond this fight. I just wish there was more nuance in these discussions, you know what I mean? Which I think is kind of what Phoenix is saying. Like, you know, obviously the Black Lives Matter thing came up because look, Tyron Woodley put it out there. That's he answered his whole press conference with Black Lives Matter, but it, it this it became this thing where again it it just polarized people more. And I'm not blaming him for it. I'm saying that that's when it happened. That's the decision. That's the decision people made for themselves. Is is well, he said that. Well, now I have to take a side, uh, and I don't want to learn more about why he said that. I've just decided that because he said that I'm firmly over here and those people can be firmly over there. And this is the way it's going to be. And that's not the way it is. So the, the whole point of making a statement like that for, for time was to raise is again, anytime I think any athletes do these things is to raise awareness. Um, but sometimes people just look at those three words and say, well, that's it. That's, that's what it means for me. So I'm glad Phoenix brought that up. And again, I do think it's part of a greater discussion that we need to continue to have uh, in the media, especially when we're talking about guys like Colby Cummington. Um, so sticking to the question though, I will say, did a stock go up? Absolutely, it did, especially with his fan base. Uh, I, they had to be let down a little bit, I think, with the Usman fight. Uh, there was a lot of excuses being made after, you know, by Covington and his uh, supporters saying, oh, you know, the fight was stopped too early. I think it was like 50 seconds before the end of the fifth round. It was stopped too early. He was up on one of the cards. So there was some damage control done there. But the fact is he lost. He lost. He was not able to boast about defeating one of his rivals. So now he gets another chance uh, against one of his rivals, someone who had he had, I would say, even more heat than he had with Usman. And then he gets a doesn't just beat him, he finishes him. So so that's big. He, he gets a, a definitive win uh, against someone who's not just a rival, but uh, in this case, an ideological nemesis. So huge for him. And uh, just from a ranking sense, you know, he he needed to back up the talk. Uh, uh, he talks so much, you know, and again, for those of us who find that amusing or, or offensive, he talks a lot. And at the end of the day, uh, he didn't back it up against Usman. He backed up a lot of the things he'd been saying against Woodley, uh, fair or not. It's, it's you know, he always said, oh, I dominated Woodley when we used to train together. Whether that's true or not, he can at least say, see, well, now I have at least video evidence. That fight is, you put us in competition, I, I was the better man, you know. I, he said, I'm going to end his career. That's We don't know if that's going to happen, but... Whenever Woodley decides to retire, Covington for the rest of his life is going to say, "I'm the I was the you know the the final nail, and everything else that happened after was just an after effect of, of what I did to him." So, his stock uh, really went all the way up, I think. And uh, getting really beating Woodley was very important, I think, in the long run uh, for his legacy, whatever that legacy may be. Whenever uh, whenever everything's said and done. AK, I've been interviewing Colby Covington for years, mm -hmm. like years and years before anybody really in the UFC knew who he was. Like he was a guy that was winning fights, but no one really knew who he was. He was the guy that was standing 
in the street with with signs saying, book me a fight. I need to fight somebody before. And he was always this way. Like he always had the brashness, always knew how to talk trash. The shtick, this whole thing that he's doing with with Trump and all that stuff, like it's 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 gotten so big for him to this point that he's almost like he's veering to veering towards the line of becoming this person in a weird way. Like, I don't want to speak for Colby, but it seems like like, you know, if you tell like one lie and it goes on for a long time, it's like a little snowball. It just rolls down the hill and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually it just becomes too much for you. Is that kind of what Colby's going through right now? Do you think like he's feeling the pressure of, of trying to get back to a title shot, trying to become a big star and make all the money he can while he can, but keep the shtick up at the same time. It's hard to do both. Like it's really hard to, to have these personalities, especially when they're almost two completely different people. Yeah. Look, uh, you pretend to be, I, I agree. Pretend to be something long enough. You're going to actually start to become that maybe not completely, but certainly at least partially. I, I mean, for example, Mike, you know, when I had first had to start working with like Jose Young's, for example, I had to convince myself that I enjoyed working with him. Uh, <laughs> And after, you know, after about a year or so, I'm like, oh, I actually kind of do. But it was a lie at first. And now it's partially the truth. But I mean, but speaking more seriously, yeah, I think I think anyone who's ever had to put on any sort of I don't want to say facade, but I think, you know, we all have uh, switches of personality, depending which groups we're with, you know, with our family, with our friends, with uh, our coworkers, things like that. And you 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 don't, you cannot fake that forever. It's either your either your facade crumbles or you do start to become that. And th that's why I'm, I'm absolutely of the side of people who say, look, this this act that company is doing is dangerous, regardless of how serious, uh, seriously, some people choose to take it. You, you can only if you're if you're this committed to it for this long it becomes reality in some way. Okay. Like anything, anything that's on in the media, like on TV, on the radio, this is kind of like, you know, basic film theory stuff is like, it's not, it's, it's quote unquote, not real, but there's, there is certainly a, uh, I'm getting a little abstract here, but a simulation of reality. And it's a simulation of reality that is very appealing to a large part of the uh, MMA fan base, unfortunately, and maybe a large part of the country uh, right now. So I, I agree. It may have started as an act and in his mind, he may still think it's an act. I just don't think he knows how far it's gone, how damaging it can be. I, I think he has lost perspective, uh, to put it flatly. What do you think, Phoenix? Do you agree with that? Do you guys remember Macho Man Randy Savage? Of course. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were watching old clips of Macho Man Randy Savage the other day. And then we watched him in a real interview. And we were like, holy cow, he really sounds like that. So... Macho Man's interviews is just his voice turned up. You know what I'm saying? So I think that this is Colby turned up. You know, I think that he takes the WWE stuff because that is what worked for him. He was almost cut before this. Remember, he said that he had to come up with a little bit of something before he was going to get cut like, the, you know, this. And he and he decided to go with that. I'm not saying that's not who he really is. I'm saying it's him amplified. It's a bigger version of him. And I know that he's like pushing it because if you keep saying, I love the police, I love the fire department, I love the first responders, them as a group is going to be like, I like this guy. He's giving us props. You know what I mean? Especially during this, this time. So he's trying to make fans of the people he thinks are on his side. And that's what he's trying to do. It is going to be exhausting after a while, which is why we found him to be quieter during this fight, because he really did. Even though he dominated, he was 
still giving Tyron enough respect to know this guy can explode at any minute. I've got to be really careful with this fight. I've got to really pick and choose my shots and be smart. So I think that he's learning how to merge the two things. He's not being over the top with it, but the second the red light of the camera goes on, he turns it on. Um, it's going to be dangerous because at some point somebody will be able to beat him. Will it be Masvidal? I don't, I don't know if it stand, it stays standing, but it's going to really be really difficult. Colby's thing is he wanted the attention and now he has it. And as soon as it dies out, he'll jump over to WWE. That's how it'll be. I, I I truly believe that because of the Tyron and his beliefs and Colby and his maybe his beliefs, maybe his shtick, I think that's why they weren't in the same room for the presser. You can call sure. it COVID. You could throw out these conspiracy theories all you want. Nobody really knows the answer to this question, but that was my immediate thought. I was like, man, if these two are in the same room, it's going to get really ugly really quickly. And I understand that there's still a ton of heat between Covington and Usman. That drained over after the fight when they were oh. doing the post-fight show. That got pretty gross and nasty, too. It's just the political climate we are in. And if they yeah. were to fight now, that's going to get real ugly really quickly. But be that as it may, Colby has put himself in a great position to get the next title shot. AK, let me ask you, does he get it? Is Colby Covington's next fight going to be for the welterweight title? Uh, my bet is that it would be, yeah. I think the, I think the UFC is going to go uh, full speed ahead with the Nate Diaz-Jorge Masvidal rematch for whatever reason. Um, but I think, I, I, and, and I think, again, we've said it's for, for Covington, it's either that or it's the title fight. That's all that makes sense for him. I, him taking anything else just is just illogical. Uh, so, yeah, I don't really have a lot to say about it. Other than, yes, I fully expect him to get the next title shot, whether it's uh, at the end of this year or if for some reason, at least over to 2021. But uh, either way, post-election, whatever happens, he's going to have a, even a lot more to say. Uh, and then he's going to carry that into uh, into whatever fight he takes next, which I think will be either a rematch with Usman or who knows, uh, Gilbert Burns if Burns is victorious. If you had to guess, Phoenix, true or false, Colby Covington's next fight will be for the welterweight title. I think so. If he's smart about it, that's where he wants to be. That's what he's going to do. So it's either a very, very big check with Masvidal, which is probably not going to happen because of Diaz, or it's it's that title fight. We will see how it plays out. Not sure if uh, if Colby's going to be doing any media or not. I have reached out. We will see what happens. Um, but we'll see. And if he does come he on. He likes you. Yeah, he I, likes talking to you, and you have great interviews with him. Yeah, I hope we get to. I, I hope we get to have the conversation. I'm not going to shy away from this. By the way, we are going to talk about some of the things that he said and why he said it. But uh, we'll see if that happens or not. But the point will go to AK ties things up. This is a great battle. This is everything I hoped it would be. <laughs> but now. Now it's time. It's the time everyone's been waiting for, because despite that main event having so much heat and cachet surrounding it, as much as everybody was talking about Colby Covington, there was only one star on Saturday night, and it's shown more bright than anybody else, Hamzat Jemayev on Saturday. And this wasn't even close, everybody. Knocks out Gerald Mearshart in 17 seconds. Just a wild scene. AK, we're going to start with you here. Before we get into how we proceed with Mr. Shemaev, You've had a little more time to digest this all. We've talked about this a little bit on on to the next one, but thoughts on what we saw from Hamzat Jamayev on Saturday night and how do you feel today? Because after we've already discussed it a little bit. This is, there's no better way to put it. This was a Conor McGregor star making moment. Okay, this is, 
the expectations were so high after Fight Island. First, of who he was going to fight next. Maybe Jaron Mearshar wasn't the first name that popped into people's minds. But I thought the booking made a lot of sense when it happened. And I think people could at least look at the record of Gerald Mearshar and see, see some of the guys he's beaten, see some of the performances put on and say, OK, it's not a top ranked guy. But it's certainly someone with a much greater level of experience and, and uh, close, you know, the UFC quality that we know compared to Reese McKee or, or uh, John Phillips. Right. So he has to perform here. I thought that he would be slightly exposed as far as not being able to finish Mearshart and just kind of putting on a very strong three-round performance, which would be good, but at least put down the, you know, tamp down the the hype a little bit. Instead, the exact opposite happened. I think the hype exploded tenfold. A one-punch knockout? A one-punch knockout against, against a veteran like Gerald Mearshart? I don't care if people uh, don't think that Mearshart is like the greatest middleweight. That's just something that's normal. When a prospect is put in this position... Or it's 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 extremely notable, and in only future stars, it really only happens to future stars. I could be wrong, you know. Maybe we'll look at this as a blip on the radar a year from now and say, "Hey, remember when he won those first three fights and capped it off with a 17 second knockout, and that was the peak of it?" And then he lost like his next three fights. It could happen, but that is beyond his control and beyond the UFC's control. All they can do is put him in this position to have a star-making moment. And my goodness, if he wasn't a star already, if this was the first time people saw him. He's he's exploded now. So, it, it, like you said, it was the talk of the night, man. Like for even some someone like me who was very who was skeptical, I, after that I was like, okay, put him up against anyone next. I will watch and I will make probably pick him to win. Phoenix, here's my reaction, okay? Because I had a wife and a son to sleep upstairs, so I couldn't <laughs> scream out everything I wanted to scream out after that knockout. But I'll I'll leave it at this. It was more like a. You have got to be effing kidding me right now. I cannot believe that just happened. How did you react to the punch and the knockout and the finish? I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful knockout because you look at Gerald and he like knows it's coming. I have fought people who are like super fast. They're like, oh, that's coming towards me. And then you get hit with it. It was like speed and accuracy. That was like so beautiful. So I thought it was excellent. But I think in terms of his popularity, let's calm down, everyone. Let's just calm down. It's only three fights. I mean, Gerald was the biggest name out of them so far. We're talking about like giving him top five. Let's chill out. Okay, let's just relax. Yeah, he's definitely special and he's definitely talented. And he has that it factor too. But we said the same thing about Sean O'Malley and then he lost. Yeah, it was a free thing with his foot and whatnot. Let's calm down. What I loved was that um, Hamzat had talked about like right before the fight, he was watching uh, Mike Tyson be, be, before he came out. Right. And that like totally inspired him. But let's look at the allure of Mike Tyson. Tyson won his first 13 fights at first round knockouts. He built that mystique. Let's give this guy some time. You know, yeah, the Maya fight with Maya's ranked like seven or eight right now. I'm not sure I don't have it in front of me. So that's a pretty big name. And that's a completely different style. That's one seriously one of the best grapplers in UFC history. So that's like a totally different type of style. And then let's see him against like a, a Stephen Thompson or a Gunnar Nelson. I, I like my karate guys, right? Which who have movement and footwork. I'm not going to get excited about you until I can see all the things that you can do. It takes me a little bit of time. Do I like, yeah, I'm going to buy your next fight. I'm excited to see it, but I'm not, oh my God, it's amazing. You showed me three fights and I haven't seen you against different styles. When we play video games, right? We're always like style versus style. We want to see what they can do. So let's calm down, everybody. Let's calm down. He's good, but let's see what else he can do. Like Izzy, Izzy proved it to me because I've seen variety in what he can do. I've seen a couple of really amazing fights that have put him there. Let's hang out. 
top 15, top 10 for a little bit. That's how I feel. Yeah. Okay. AK, I feel like I've heard this before. Something you've said in the yeah, past. Yeah, I was going to say, Miss Phoenix, what are you, me? This is this was this was me after oh, really? the this was me after the McKee fight. So okay. I, I'm I'm I mean I'm I guess I'm not surprised. Uh, I I'm I'm sad that this that Phoenix's business has made you so jaded that you cannot appreciate when there is a star right in front of you. He he is he a a a, a burning burning star is right in front of you. Um, let's build stars. Like let's build it. Like okay, you're a star. Okay, that's it. But you don't want to be a shooting star. You want to be a big, bright, shining star. And in order to do that, build your allure. You you bring up Mike Tyson, but like I said, it was the first 13 fights in the first round. You were like terrified of this guy, you know? So let's build, 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 build. Get your reputation out there before you burn out quickly. I don't want to see that for him. Oh, MMA fans have no patience for that. That's that's no, we don't. We're not we're not talking about boxing fans here. We're talking about MMA yeah, fans. That's true. MMA fans. We're, they, we're like squirrel. Like let's. <laughs> I can almost guarantee. I, I, if we if we ran a poll, by the way, MMA fans, we love you guys. By the way, we love you all. Uh, I can guarantee that if we ran a poll, who should uh, you know, God forbid, should something happen to Gilbert Burns and he can't fight uh, Usman, who should step in, Colby Covington or Shemaev? It'd be pretty close. I'm telling you, pretty close. again, and we're talking about like just random internet voters here, but I, I'm telling you, that's how much cachet this guy's name has. And I'm not saying that's logical or that's the right thing to do, but that is the level of hype we're dealing with. And again, what happens when you take one of these moments and you just knock it out of the park. So again, justifiable or not, this is how high the stock is in, in some people's eyes. All right, AK. So let me ask you, mm. what do we do here at this guy? Okay. Because there's the Maya fight that may or may not be there because Dana White didn't seem all that convinced of it on Saturday. I, I, I don't know. We don't really know. But listen, I've been very clear. I'm not a fan of that fight for a number of reasons, mostly to do with Damian Maya. But you can legit do anything you want with this guy. You can go yeah. Phoenix's route and just showcase him against, you know, to kind of do it MVP style. But people have had so many thoughts about how Shamayev has been or should be booked. The Mirshar matchup was met with so many mixed feelings. The double booking with Maya got met with so many mixed feelings. Now that we've gotten our result from Saturday, AK, do you feel like the UFC has done this right? Do you have enough faith, based on what Phoenix just said, that the UFC will continue to do this right moving forward and build this guy up the way he needs to be built? Uh, I'll say it's actually I'll say yes, uh, but there's actually kind of two separate answers. One, I do think they've kind of done the right thing building him up. Like I said, I thought the mirror shirt thing was really smart. The double booking a little shaky, and I'm kind of hoping that the Maya fight is out of the question now. I think we need to to readjust this guy's trajectory. But giving him a lot of time at Thursday's prep, press conference, you know, for whatever reason, for whatever reason that uh, it wasn't Woodley and Covington that were given the spotlight. Again, people can speculate all they want. Uh, Dana White's reasoning, of course, said he wanted to give the undercard a little more attention than usual. It it did work for Mirshart and, and Shemaev. Shemaev was once again the most talked about person. Uh, his trash talk, you, know, you, you might like it, you might not, but he was very active. He was yucking it up with Cowboy. Cowboy seems to have taken, taken him under his wing, seems to love him. So I think the UFC has done a very good job. Uh, what I would like to see next for him, and Mike, like you said, we discussed on a previous show, but I, I'm, I'm actually more firm on it now that I think about it. Despite my uh, hyping up this guy as the next big thing, I actually would love, I think would love to see him uh, drop down to 170 again and fight another guy who's dropped down to 170. I think Kevin Holland. I think Kevin Holland is the right guy for him right now. There's a bit of trash talk between the two. Uh, they said there was some altercation at the hotel and then Holland called him out after. So I think it's a very logical thing to do. And if we're if we're just looking at the rankings, that's kind of where I would put both of them. Um, 
at 170 or at 185, however, wherever you you put uh, Shemaev at this point in his career. So not not the you know not the biggest name right now, but Holland's a great great talent, and I think he'd give Shemaev a real run for his money. All right, Phoenix, you're you're on the slow build camp here. You want to build that allure, make him an even bigger star than you can. What would you do with Shemaev? Like, who would you put him up against? How would you make this happen? I, I like what Alex said. I, I think that prospect versus prospect is a really good idea. I don't know how I felt about like the double booking. I kind of just feel like that got out in the public. I feel like that happens a lot more than we realize. Like, okay, if you do this, then you'll get this, and then we'll do this, and we'll keep you busy, and this is the way it's going to go, and that usually doesn't go out into the public. But like they just did that for whatever reason, you know? And I do feel that Th- that the thing with having Covington and Woodley not there for that press conference, if you are trying to build stars, it is a really good idea. There's a lot of things to do with him, and it really just depends on what division he's going to hang out with. You know, I kind of thought maybe Neil Magny. You know, Magny just beat Lawler. Like, that would kind of be fun. Magny is a veteran that if you can get past him, that would prove a lot to me. So that's not a bad idea either. So I kind of like, I like that. I want to see what you could do. I like the Magni idea. It's an under the radar idea. No one seems to be mentioning his name. I think it's Vicente Luque. I think that's the fight. You get a top 10 guy. You get a dangerous guy who could finish you with one shot. But Shemaev could also take him down and submit him in a matter of seconds. Like That's a a very intriguing matchup to me. Last thing on this, because AK said something that, that kind of struck a chord with me. Phoenix, remember remember when Connor was was coming up? He beats Marcus Brimage, then he beats Max Holloway, but the Diego Brandau win was was kind of that launching pad fight for him. Then he beats Poirier, then the Dennis Seaver win before all the title stuff. Connor was getting big; he was coming this big star. But man, were there a lot of negative Nancys when it came to Con- to Connor? He hasn't fought anybody. Wait till he gets a wrestler. We heard it all when it comes yeah. to Connor. We have questions about Shamayev because he only had two fights in like 11 days in the UFC. Most people still thought he would run through Gerald Mearshard. This feels different than Connor. It seems like more people want to see him succeed and they're not questioning him as much as they question Connor. Do you feel that as well? Could this be, could this be even bigger than the rise of Connor McGregor? I don't know if Shamayev has the personality that Connor has, that once he does get there, he'll be able to maintain it and be as funny and clever and all that type of stuff as Connor has been. Like Connor or not, he's really well spoken, you know? So I don't know. I think the his escalation is quicker, if that's the question, and then yeah. What do you think, AK? I mean, Phoenix makes a great point because, you know, Connor's just got this polarizing personality. You just can't ignore it. And maybe that's why it's created all those naysayings on the way up. But Shamayev's still pretty clever, even though he's he's soft-spoken, talking about the black fighting for, you know, find me a black belt if I submit you or and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Like, it was still pretty funny at the press conference. But could this be bigger? Because I feel like fans are way more behind him, like, generally as a whole than they were with Connor. They are, but I I still think there's an element of the thrill of discovery there. I think uh, McGregor, you know, he came from Cage Warriors, pretty well known already, uh, and then had 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 a lot of hype coming up. Hamzat literally came out of nowhere. So as soon as he had that first big win over John Phillips, who were, and then and people already talked about having a turnaround. 
people were already getting on the bandwagon. And, and part of that is fans wanting to say, I was there first. You know, so that's why uh, there was some of that with McGregor, but a lot more with this guy because the people want to claim him. People want to say, I was on the, on the Hamza Shemaya bandwagon from the beginning. And when he becomes champion, oh, this guy represents me. I'm excited for this is a win for him. This is a win for me. So there's a personal pride to it that wasn't quite there with the McGregor thing, though he had a lot of other uh, hooks, you know, the, the, the whole nation of Ireland behind him. And then, of course, all the brash talking. So he certainly had no trouble developing a fan base in a different way. Uh, right now, I think you have a lot of the best of both worlds with Shemaev as far as he has that uh, that style of look. Well, people thought the style of Khabib, but he's a lot more aggressive as a finisher. Because even Khabib, when he was starting off in the UFC, he wasn't finishing people left and right. He was still uh, very much the fighter we know now. A lot of control, a lot of dominance, lopsided wins, but missing some of those signature moments. Uh, Shemaev already, three wins, three finishes. That's big in, in people's eyes for sure. Uh, the talking... It's a little bit also from the uh, Habib uh, blueprint, but again, that's more of like a language barrier related thing. Uh, and you could certainly do a lot worse than kind of taking some of the elements that Habib used, again, limited English, but finding ways to communicate his personality uh, and get that across to fans who really, really embraced it. So um, if Shemaev can sort of carve out a little bit more of his own thing and kind of get away from those comparisons, yeah, the sky really is the limit. I don't know if we ever, we ever want to say McGregor level, but I mean, he, he could get up there for sure. I love it's it's so interesting. Jumping on Twitter, people were tagging me and posting me like, "Dude, just listen on to the next one." Can you imagine if Shamayev stepped if something happened with Adesanya or Acosta and Shamayev stepped in and like won the title? I'm like, "What? <laughs> we're really talking about this?" I mean, I think that's why we like him though, right? right? Like I think I think there's a certain level of gameness that we all love our fighters to have. A certain level of like, "I'll do it." I'll go up and wait. I'll go down and wait. I'll fight anybody. It's there's certain fighters that we love that are like that. And then certain fighters that respect because they're cautious, they game plan. It's it's like a, it's like a choose your own adventure type of thing, you know? And I think a big part of his allure is that gameness. You know, I love that. I love that idea of like, okay, so what, which way, which person, what top five, I'll fight anybody. Like, you know, he was saying stuff to Kamaru Usman, you know what I mean? Like there's a little bit of that, that you like, it's sort of a, like the schoolyard bully that you, you get along with or something. You know, it's weird. He's kind of a, like a, a happy cat too. He's smart. He's got that mean face, but he also has like a nice little smile on him. And yeah. you just, you, you, it's like, you can understand him. You can, you, you're part of the circle in a weird way, but the Hamzat show continues on. Maybe we'll continue on fight Island. Go ahead. By the way, I like the uh, choose your own adventure reference. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's, I, I mean, I, I got it. I'm amazed that you pulled it up and then I got it considering we're both so young. Uh, and you know, uh, so I, I, I assume you've heard of it from someone, you know, from someone else. Of course, that's why you brought it up. So for all you guys out there, you know, look, you guys can Google that, which is, you know, cause we're, we're young and hip and cool. You know, we have, sure. but that, that was, that was a cool pull. That's a cool pull for, the, for some of the old, <laughs> that's for you old school fans out there. Not us, you know, but you know, we're young. Point's going to go to Phoenix Carnival, okay. just because of the great comparisons. AK, you were very good as well. Man, this is a good round. My hands are sweaty. This is how this is how good this battle. This is a back and forth battle full of respect. No trash talk. No Jed Mishu generalizations. I love this. So let's head to this Saturday. It took us all this time to finally get to UFC 253. We get two big title fights. Phenomenal main event between Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa. There's been a lot said, a lot of bad blood between these guys, and it was actually quite refreshing, especially after Saturday night's festivities, to see them have a nice moment in Abu Dhabi. They were super respectful. They shook hands. But this fight is is massive. It's a huge fight. Yes, the title is important, but at least in my eyes, this is one of those fights where the matchup has become bigger than the title itself. So that begs the question, AK. Since the title has become somewhat secondary here, 
who has more pressure on them on Saturday night, Adesanya or Paulo Costa? Oh, it's all on Adesanya, man. It's all on Izzy. I mean, not just because he's the champion. I would say, oh, obviously he's the champion. He doesn't want to lose the belt. Yeah, of course. But that Romero fight left such a bad taste in people's mouths. I, I don't know how he ended up taking the brunt of the criticism for that. Uh, I, I know some people were criticizing Romero at the time, but it seems as we get further from the fight, there is this myth that Romero was like trying to chase him down and uh, and Adesanya was like running away the whole time. That's not the case. It was a terrible fight. I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, it was horrible, but I'm saying both guys are to blame. And I, and I but at the same time, I don't blame Izzy. That You're in the cage with Yoel Romero. OK, I know you're the, one of the greatest fighters in the world, but I think anyone has to know if you don't fight a smart way or fight the way that uh, Israel Adesanya did, and by the way, he won the fight. If you don't fight that way, you're going to get killed by Yoel Romero. He will kill you. Not metaphorically speaking, a punch from him would kill the average person. And uh, and I, I'm glad Adesanya didn't even try to take one of those. I'm sorry, I know it resulted in a boring fight uh, and you know we, we would all hope for more, but yes, the pressure is on him to redeem himself from that performance, fair or not. In the eyes of the fans, some people even thought he lost that fight. So. I don't know how that performance uh, suddenly overshadowed some, some of the great work he's done in the past. The Gaslam fight was was very recent, and that fight was amazing. The Whitaker fight was great, very exciting. But what have you done for me lately? Paulo Costa is a fresh face. Uh, I think people like him a lot. Obviously, very exciting fighter, known for his knockouts. He had a he, on the other hand, had a super exciting fight with Romero. So I think that he has that going for him. I think it's nothing but positive vibes for Paulo Costa, and I just don't see him falling that far back as long as he has a competitive fight with Izzy. Um, Izzy might get an immediate rematch too, but I think just losing would really, really dent this this uh, reputation he's built for himself, uh, and also just how he's peaking now in terms of fame. You know, he's at that Puma commercial and things like that, uh, and he talks a lot. So uh, kind of about a separate company before he's the one that has to back it up. So I think for definitely Izzy as opposed to Costa. Phoenix, it's funny listening to AK run through the Adesanya timeline. Reminds me of the first guy we talked about on this program, Tyron Woodley, doesn't it? Like, I mean, Tyron runs through all these guys, vicious finishes, finishes Robbie Lawler. Then he fights Wonderboy and they have a fight of the year contender that everybody forgets about at UFC 205. And then when they rematch, it's kind of a dud and then the Maya fight, a dud. But then he goes and finishes Darren Till. And we're like, okay, here it is. Who's the pressure on on Saturday night more? I mean, obviously, there's pressure on both sides. But if we're taking just the title out of this fight and focusing on the matchup itself and what has been said in the build, who's got all the pressure on Saturday? If it's between Izzy and Costa, then I, I it's obviously Izzy, right? Because if he – like, ex- literally, I could copy-paste what Alex said. Because if, if Costa falls behind, he doesn't really fall that far behind. And he's still exciting fighting any of those people that he hasn't already beat. Like, we, we just like watching him fight. He looks like an action figure. You know what I mean? Like, he that's what he looks like to us. So he's just exciting. He's like, if Yoel Romero moved a lot more <laughs> and kicked a lot more, like, he's Romero with better cardio um, in a lot of ways. Like, he's just that big, imposing, scary dude that doesn't even look like he belongs in that division. So. Izzy has all the pressure because of his last fight. And I think, I think it's not the same as Woodley at all, because I think that Izzy has way more tricks up his sleeve. He's shown us way more diversity. He's had way more exciting fights and he has a lot more pressure because he's more beloved. He's beloved. He's beloved by fans. He's also beloved by the kickboxing community. So he has the more pressure because he's a more popular guy. The bigger you are, the harder you fall type of thing. And I think that he's very good at handling that pressure because in his own words, he's built for stardom, you know, and he has such a fantastic fight IQ, which is why 
the Yoel Romero fight wasn't as fun as it was because the second he was like, what is happening here? Why is this guy standing? Okay, boom, he got hit with a big left. And then after that, he was like, I need to adjust. And that's the fight IQ that makes me such a big fan of Israel, right? So, yeah, the pressure really is on him, but I think he can handle it either way. I think even if he loses, we're still going to want to watch this kid. I'm not going to get sick of him until he starts to deteriorate, you know? Uh, Mike, I will add that uh, for for the Costa side of it, since we both argued for Izzy, that uh, there's a lot of pressure on Bohachinia from my mother because uh, she has seen those she has seen those run for your life ads, and I think and she has told me she's like who who is that? He's so handsome. I hope he wins. Like I hope he looks like a star. I hope he wins. And I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it. Yeah. All right. So uh, so there there is some there's some stakes here. As I'm saying, don't let my mom down, Bohachinia. At least put on a good fight. Come on. <laughs> what about? What about the co-main event, AK? Dominic Reyes, last guy to fight John Jones at 205, at least for now, for the foreseeable future, taking on Jan Blahovich. First title shot for him. Big fight. Also, what makes this interesting is it's flying completely under the radar with the main event being as compelling as it is. But I guess who has more to prove? Who has more pressure on them this Saturday in this co-main event? Did they run one promo for the light heavyweight title fight? If they did, I don't remember it. <laughs> I, I honestly don't. One. Yeah, there's one. Oh, my goodness. I'll say, uh, Mike, I'll tell you, for a uh, for a penultimate question, uh, I'm not thrilled with this one because I think the answer for this one is obvious, too. Uh, I think it's Reyes all the way. He's he's very much, I think, supposedly the uncrowned champion for people who thought that he beat John Jones. Uh, I think he's the A side of this matchup. I know it's a vacant title, but given his record, I, I, I would view him that way. And uh, I looked at records, at this, uh, sorry, the odds this morning is hovering around minus 250 favorites. So so there's some very tangible uh, reasons why the pressure's on him as well. I don't think there's any pressure on Jan Blachowicz, a very respected guy. I don't think he's someone that people expected to, you know, a KSW champion, sure, but to become a world title contender, he had a little bit of a slow start to his UFC career, you know? So for, for me, I think he's just playing with found money. So this this is supposed to re-raise his fight. He, I think he's, he's the fresher face. He's the one, again, people thought he beat John Jones. My, the other thing is to look at the negative side of it, not just about him capitalizing this moment is, it, it's easy to capital, uh, sorry, it's easy to go downhill when you're handed these opportunities and you don't, and you, and you don't, you don't snatch them, you know, uh, they don't come along very often, especially when you miss one or two uh, or even missing one. I mean, he, remember Alexander Gustafsson, like people, it's going to sound weird to say he was, he's three and five since that John Jones fight, you know, uh, since losing the first John Jones fight. Uh, yes. There's a couple of world title fights in there. It's all high level competition. So it's not a bad thing, but when you kind of just look at the raw numbers, you're like, Oh, he didn't even have a winning record after that, that first John Jones fight. So, I think, and look, if, if that's what happens to Reyes, should he lose, that's obviously not the worst thing. I mean, that's, like I said, a lot of opportunities that still came along. But but if if he wants to have that Hamza Shemaev moment, that Conor McGregor moment, it, it has to be here because that really is what MMA stardom is about. It's not just about becoming champion. It's it's about capturing the imagination. And I think he has to do it uh, not just uh, not just by being Blachowicz. I think he has to do it in convincing fashion. This this is one of those moments for Reyes. So I think there's a ton of pressure on him. Uh, and I think Blachowicz, I'm not saying he can't win, but I'm saying if he wins, I think, again, it's all gravy. He's, you know, it's, I, I just think he's, he's uh, not happy to be here, but it was unexpected uh, that he would be getting a title shot so soon. And, uh, and, you know, if he gets it, then, you know, good for him. But Reyes, I think, needs it. Interesting take, AK. Luckily, all right. Phoenix, let me ask you this, because AK said some interesting things here. But because Jan Blahovich is the unexpected guy, kind of flew into this title shot, he worked hard, he's a gritty guy. Reyes has more of the personality 
People seem to like Reyes. Many thought, many believe that once John Jones made the leap up to heavyweight, that Dominic Reyes is clearly the number one 205-pounder on the planet, regardless of promotion or anything else. But Jan Blachowicz, we're, we're in an interesting time at 205 where these uh, there's a lot of up-and-coming contenders right now. If Jan Blachowicz goes out there and lays an egg on Saturday, he may never get another shot at the title. So with that being said, do you feel like the pressure is mostly on Reyes or the pressure is mostly on Blahovich. I actually really agree with you, Mike. I was going to, I was going to say that I was going to say that because of John's personality, personality, uh, if he doesn't get this one, it's going to be hard to bring him back to the top. Like, okay, he's on a three fight winning streak right right now. I think one was decision and the other two were KOs if I remember co- correctly. So he's up there, but everybody's expecting it from Reyes. So I think it's almost equal pressure in a lot of ways, because Reyes is the expected, you know, chosen one here. And then Jan is like, okay, you're, you're a tough guy, but you don't have the personality that people consider a champion. And how do we sell your fight? The other reason there's some pressure on Reyes is because he slowed down in four and five, right? So that's where John came back and actually landed that decision to win that fight. So people are questioning him in those championship rounds. So he does have a little bit to prove. He can't coast four and five. So he's going to have to really show that endurance is if it starts going into those championship rounds. And I think that's a big question that we all have when it comes to Reyes, like what's going to happen in four and five? Does he have that endurance to do it? So I, I think there's equal pressure there. Um, but in star power alone, yeah, that's going to be on Reyes. Surely. And I, th- and I think it's great for both guys that they are sneaking in here because there's low expectations for this fight. Like, yeah, it's a title fight, but we're all just waiting for Izzy and Costa. So if yeah. they go out there and put on a barn burner, just like Ioana and Whaley did at, before Israel fought Yoel Romero, I mean, that could be a fight that that sticks on our radars for a long time. But AK, let's, let's look at this card as a whole because I mentioned this on the post show. I got kind of eye rolls here, but... <laughs> If we look matchup for matchup at Uf- between UFC Vegas 11 and UFC 253, I think the UFC Vegas 11 card was better. Like from top to bottom, I think it was a more complete card, but clearly the top of this card is way bigger than last Saturday's card. So where do you put this one on uh, on the greatness scale potential as it stands right now? Oh, on my gymnastics scale? Well, you know, since we have <laughs> since we have uh, uh, surprised some new viewers and Phoenix might not be familiar with it, uh, Phoenix, I, I like to rate... <laughs> events and movies and other things in general. On like a gymnastics, I like to give it a degree of difficulty first. So I don't rate out of 10. Every every event is a different potential. So UFC Vegas 11, for example, was like a potential of like a 9.5. And I think I ended up saying like 9.2, like almost nailed it. You know, just need to get a little extra rotation on that last uh, last flip, what have you. Uh, so to extend the metaphor. So uh, this card, I would say it has a lower ceiling, but still high, still high. If only because I think uh, if, if the main events deliver, then it'll it'll that then they have the, the potential for entertainment there is higher and, and sort of the impact on the on the sort of the MMA landscape is higher than necessarily the, the Covington Woodley fight or the Cerrone Nico Price fight. So I'll go with a potential for a nine here. So this could be a nine out of a nine out of nine, I guess, if as my score goes, uh, because, yes, it is somewhat lacking in star power with respect to a lot of the athletes competing on this card. Uh, there's just not a lot of familiarity there um, for some of the, uh, you know, some of the more casual fan. So, yeah, it's definitely fair to say that. Uh, you're almost get, you almost want to combine the two events and look at this kind of one big uh, two week pay per view stretch. Uh, and if you look at it that way, I mean, man, you're you're already in for a treat. You're already playing with house money. That first event was great, and then this one uh, this weekend could be spectacular as well. What do you think, Phoenix? How how good can this card be? I I think 
if the main and co-main event kill it, then it's going to be an, a fantastic card. But I'm a little different. I came from, I used to work for the LFA when they were with Access TV. And when they were with Access and I was there like every single weekend, I saw these stars being made. And I was just like so impressed with the LFA matchmaking that so many of them went into the UFC. They were the conveyor belt to the UFC. So when I see like LFA names on a UFC card, I get a little bit more excited than the people who aren't familiar with the fighters are. So I don't look at it and go, oh, there's no star power. I'm like, oh, I remember them. I remember them. I remember them. I remember them. So I get a little bit more excited. So I, I don't think I'm a very good judge because I've had some like pre-experience with some of the people on the card, like Brandon Roy Val is on the card. You guys are going to love him. He's super exciting. He's always a fun fight to watch. He, he, every single time he performs win or lose, it's an exciting fight. So I, I'm going to give it an eight right now. Um, I, it's not the highest score, but I think that sometimes the newer fighters surprise us. And when you go in with no expectations, you just watch two young, fresh fighters coming out of each other. You, you usually will leave. And I can't, I can't even say how many times people go, this card sucks. And they're like, wow, those guys killed it because of that fresh face. I have something to prove thing. So I'm going to say eight, but I hope that after we watch it, I'm totally wrong. And it's a 9.5 or a 10. And that's kind of the beauty of having a card like this is now we can let these stars shine a little bit. We can give them an opportunity, a platform, if you will, uh, to perform. Brandon Royval versus Kai Car France is a ridiculous fight, a ridiculous fight. And I'm glad they're not getting like buried on the prelim somewhere. They're getting a featured spot right before the two title fights. Like, this is great. So J.R. Eubanks is back. We got Hakeem Duadu on the card. Diego Sanchez. So we know things are going to get all sorts of wily and crazy. And then, uh, you know, Juan Espino's back this this week. Juan Espino finally, is finally, forever. Jeez, <laughs> William Louise. Knight, Alexa Kamer. So this, this there is a lot to like here. By, and, by the uh, way, Mike, Mike, I would I would like to call foul on uh, Phoenix bringing up her outstanding LFA work to try and intimidate me. I didn't know we were playing like that. Uh, of course, I think I think most people who who watch the LFA broadcast remember how how awesome you were on there. So how dare you? How dare? No, it's not a comment. How dare you bring that up? <laughs> how dare you bring that up to throw me throw me off my game at this in the championship rounds? I it's thought not- we'd. I'm unemployed, so you win anyway because I'm not, you know, you know what I mean. It's my former wow. job. I, I don't. I'm not with them anymore, so it totally sucks. I don't get to. I don't get to show off that clout like I used to. Well, it's all out there. People, you guys can find those clips. Those clips. Those interview clips are on YouTube. Look Thank it up. You, you haven't seen how how good Phoenix was, but uh, yeah, dirty pool, dirty pool, brain that trying to get into my head <laughs> in such a, such an integral part of this competition. <laughs> well. You brought it, AK. You brought it when you needed it. To, you needed it the most. We are all tied up, and you know what that means. AK's favorite segment in the MMA media space. It's time for the Between the Links knockout round, where one question decides it all. Neither knows what this question is, but let's be honest here. I would say if you're a part of the panel or if you're watching or listening right now, there's a glaring hole in this week's questions when we're talking about this past week's news cycle that we haven't touched on yet. So I think it's kind of obvious where this final question is going. But Phoenix, you are the champion. With that, you get to decide whether you'd like to answer this question first or if you'd like to pass it on to AK. Okay, what's the question? I have to say first or pass without knowing the question? That's right. Jeopardy, you don't get to know the question until you bid. All right, I'm going to say pass only because I have to put this phone on the charger before. (laughs) Aha, fair enough. Big mistake, Phoenix. I am the so, master of, of taking the question first. As anyone okay. who watches the show will know, 
go ahead as I go plug this yes, in. Please do that. And I, I will. I will. Uh, but you know, don't read the question, Matt. Mike, I don't want to advance, but I will tell. The, I will tell our viewers who may have not seen my previous appearances that uh, when I've had the option to go first, I always go first. It has not necessarily worked out for me. Uh, but don't look up those episodes. I again, I, I I think I think I'm one and one. I think I'm one and one when I go first. Mike, isn't that accurate? Uh, I don't know. I, I was gonna say I hope Casey could flash on like a I mean an O and four screen or something. O and four when going first or whatever it was. But people might listen. say like it's foolish for me to do it again. But look, I'm glad I didn't have the option because I would have wanted to go. I'm, I would have wanted to go first anyway. I'm glad Phoenix handed this to me. Oh, okay, fine. All right, but here's the deal, okay? One person, I mean, the UFC is heading to Abu Dhabi, but one person that is definitely going to be heading to Abu Dhabi is Michael Chandler. He officially signs with the UFC. He is in as the backup for the fight between Habib Nurmagomedov and Justin Gaethje, should his services be needed. But, but AK, people have been thinking about this move since he became a free agent, and now that it's here, there's obviously a lot of intrigue, but also not a lot of confidence in Chandler that he can hang with the tippy-top guys. So the question is, AK, in your opinion, how successful can Michael Chandler be in this absolutely loaded up UFC lightweight division coming over from Bellator? So we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock and go. Normally, this is why I hem and haw for 50 seconds, but I won't, Mike. I actually am somewhat prepared this time, though that I did not see that question coming. Uh, I'm just going to say right away, I honestly think he can be the world champion. I know it sounds crazy. I know people will say it's a huge jump up from like the Dave Rickles and from like getting knocked out by a, by a featherweight, by, you know, Patricio Pitbull. I get it. I get the skepticism. But this is a case of a guy who you can't always just look at, at the results, which, are, by the way, are impressive. Benson Henderson, Eddie Alvarez, a lot of quality wins there. He's the kind of guy you see him fight and you, you know he's good. Like you just you know he has all the skills needed to be a high level martial uh, mixed martial artist and a premier lightweight. Again, I, I think we've had a discussion before. I would put him in the top ten. I absolutely think he's a top ten lightweight already. Uh, if you rank all the promotions, am I saying he could beat Nurmagomedov or Gaethje on that day? I don't know. But I, I do think if, if for some reason he slips in and does get that title shot and fails, that does not rule him out of getting future title shots. I think we will see him fight for it. I think we'll see him fight for a UFC title at least once, possibly twice. And I think he has the potential to win it depending on the opponent. So for me, absolute top is the limit. All right, Phoenix, same question for you. Michael Chandler now in the UFC. How successful can this man be? We're going to put 60 seconds on the clock and go. I mean... I, look, he, he's he's definitely been in some fights, so he's a bit weathered. If you if it was maybe three four years prior, I would have been like, okay, you're getting him, you know, at his prime. But he does have championship potential. I it, it makes this it's the debate of like the UFC champs versus the Bellator champs, which I don't like because I think Bellator, especially since Coker got involved, has now brought in the top of the top so he's scouting some of the best of the best too so they know their business really well and i think chandler really would have a great fight it was the same thing when gaethje came over from world series of fighting everybody's like oh you know how's he gonna do against the top 10 guys and look where he is now so i give michael chandler a lot of credit he beat a former ufc champion in benson henderson just recently so i think he does good with anybody in the top five of the ufc and i think he has a very competitive fight wow more time yeah, you get 10 seconds. Oh, um, uh, yeah, I'd like to see him in there. I like him as this so-called understudy. If it happened, then he happened to jump into the fight. I would not be mad at it. I'm intrigued. I can't wait to see it. I've been wanting Michael Chandler in the UFC for years and years and years, so we finally get to see it play out. Yeah, he may not be in his athletic prime, so to speak, but Chandler's a machine. He'll find a mm -hmm. way, and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. So we turn it over 
to E. Casey Lydon. I get to unbuckle the seatbelt here and and just play host and, and listen to what the judge has to say. So, Casey, you've heard the arguments. How do you rule, sir? Let me calculate this. Let me add, 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 add the numbers. I, I, I am taking into account um, the scene change that um, that uh, Phoenix had to do. I noticed we're in an entirely different room or something. This is amazing. <laughs> I, I, I needed to be closer to the plug. <laughs> Ooh. All right. I've made a decision. Okay. And still. Oh! Phoenix, Phoenix. in the body. Wow. I'm what sorry, Alex. When she dropped the, Ju- the Justin Gaethje reference and like, because I remember people crapping on Justin Gaethje when he signed to the UFC, and um, yeah, that, that that that's what put her over the top. That was just smart, smart, smart move, Phoenix. She she mistook the 10 second clapper for the end of the round bell. This is I am I am going. Chris Chris Tyone and I need to have a talk. I am going to speak to Chris Tyone. Something. That's all I'm gonna say. We're gonna have a discussion. Did, You're right. You know. Did I'm you sorry, just I'm sorry, call sorry, our sorry. champion a bitch Gohea? <laughs> no, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> or who's or Spike Car- Spark Car- Spark Spark Carlisle? Carlisle. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm sorry. I will save my complaints for afterwards. I'm sorry. This is not how a a title challenger should conduct themselves. Uh, it was very much an honor to finally get to do a show with uh, with Phoenix Carnival Valley and uh, to get my get my butt kicked once again on this show. Uh, but this was the least painful butt kicking of them all, I will say. So, <laughs> uh, pride wise, I mean, uh, physically it was quite the beating. But uh, pride wise, I feel much better about losing to Phoenix than I do to some of our our other colleagues. So. <laughs> uh, congratulations. So I shouldn't even be talking. This is her time to talk. Sorry. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Phoenix, 30 seconds. Talk about whatever you, whatever it is you like to talk about, good, bad, and different. And then we're going to break some news in a matter of moments as well. So go ahead. Oh, man. It's 30 seconds. Follow me on social media. You know, I'm I'm unemployed right now. So I'm looking for gigs. <laughs> That's pretty much all I have to say. I, I mean, listen, you guys know I love the MMA fans and the MMA community. And I just love martial arts in general and like... MMA is an opportunity for you to see many martial arts mixed and what they can do. So I love being in this sport and this world and follow me on social. I'll be here. All right. And the breaking news is Phoenix next week, right here in the virtual between the links cage, the rematch Phoenix versus Mishu for the title. Okay. I'll be ready. I she just shrugged off Jed so hard off. She's like, go okay, Phoenix. Fight him. Ready. Go yeah. Phoenix. You got to be confident. I don't even need to trash talk. That's how confident I am. Team love Phoenix her. all the way. <laughs> Team Phoenix all the way. Sorry, Jed. I love your brother. Team Phoenix all the way. Well, I can't wait. I cannot wait for the rematch to happen next week. Congratulations, Phoenix. A defending champion. Not named Jed Mishu or Jose Youngs. This is, this is excellent stuff. AK, excellent performance, my friend. You came through in a big way. Always a pleasure to have you on. We'll see you Monday morning for on to the next one, of course, because we have a big week ahead of us. UFC 253 going on this Saturday. Bellator in Milan. I think that's on their YouTube page at 5 p.m. Eastern time. So we get plenty of martial arts action uh, coming your way this weekend. But that's it for this episode. Big thank you to Casey Lydon on the production. Esther Lynn with the graphics and the intro. For Phoenix, AK, I am Mike Heck. We'll see you back here once again between the links next week. Good night, everybody. Bye, guys.
This has been Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Brought to you by MMA Fighting, a production of Vox Media. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.